Hey everybody, Chris Lindsay here, and you're listening to Pitch List. We want to discover what makes creative people tick. Join us as we explore what it means to be a writer, and more importantly, what it means to be a person. Remember why you love music, and welcome to Pitch List. Hey everybody, Chris Lindsay here with another episode of Pitch List. Our guest today is a young man from Lake City, Florida. He's already written hits for Cole Swindell, Dustin Lynch, Luke Bryan, and many more. His name is Adam Sanders, and he has now entered the charts with his own record called Drink, Drank, Drunk, which has amassed over 90 million streams already. This dude is rockin'. Please welcome Adam Sanders. Good morning. Chris Lindsay here. We've got a great guest today. Mr. Adam Sanders has joined us. Fantastic. A new country artist. Well, new. I say new. New to me. But I've been seeing your name uh, on some big hit songs the last couple years. And now you're streaming like crazy yourself. And uh, thank you for being on the show, Adam. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um. Well, we'll dive right in. You know, we like to get in the weeds about songwriting. And I know um, <laughs> I know from going over your resume last night, I mean, I'm not sure. Oh, here's my first question. It says you came here in 2009, right? Yep. When, you, when you came, did you have your eye on being an artist the entire time and writing was kind of how you were going to, you know, kind of learn your craft as a writer and then step into it? Was that the plan? Absolutely. Like, you know, I started singing when I was three or four years old. Like music was just in my blood and that's all I ever wanted to do. And so as I was going through my teenage years, you know, it was trying to figure out how to make that a possibility. So when I moved, uh, my uncle happened to be uh, in the music industry also. He's a steel guitar player um, and has played on every album from George Jones to Sam Hunt, you know. And so he kind of through the years gave me a little bit of advice. Um, When I was 12, he called me one day and he said, hey, you ever thought about writing songs? And I was like, no, what do you mean? He said, well, all these, you know, artists that you love, you know, and, and hear on the radio, somebody's got to write the songs, whether it's them or, you know, a songwriter. He said, you should think about writing songs. That could be your way into the industry one day. And so I hung up the phone. I wrote my first song the next day at 12 years old with my dad, which was an awful, horrible song. And I started figuring out that I, that I enjoyed the process of writing. And so I moved to Nashville and I kind of looked at it as this, you know, uh, canvas and I was thinking, okay, now what do I do? And I got down to two routes. It was either go on the voice and hope Blake turns his chair around to be an artist (laughs) or take the songwriter route, which I knew that I had a knack for. Right. I probably just needed to just sharpen my, my sword a little bit, you know, kind of get into co-writing and, and kind of take the backdoor approach because I'd seen that route also work for, guys like Thomas Rhett and Cole Swindell and, you know, all these guys that, you know, sort of was writing songs for other artists. And so I decided to take the songwriter out. I started to uh, go out and network uh, on the weekends and during the week and, and 
Uh, I met a lot of my crew really early on through that. I worked in construction with my dad uh, when I first moved here. And so um, it was a situation where I'd work with him for a couple of weeks and then I'd go out and I would network and meet people and try to co-ride and, and did the whole MySpace thing where you would, you know, back in the day where people had their MySpace pages and their songs and I'd message them and, Hey, I like your stuff. You know, we should, you know, write together and, and did that back and forth for a couple of years until I was able to land a publishing deal. So yeah, songwriting was just sort of the, it was definitely a focused plan of, Hey, let me just get this down really, really good. Let me try to get some hits for some other people and then let that spill over into my career. Well, and it's a great way to do it because you get to sort of develop who you are as an artist. You get to work with really talented people. You can sort of get immersed in the town. I, the, I, there's very little downside to, to starting an artist career like that. You can get a publishing deal. You sign with Carla, you know, yeah, and yeah. it can give you a lot of support all the way around, which makes you more able to do it. I love that you uh, did construction. That's my, um, uh, I'm a constru- I'm from a construction family too. Okay. Yeah. So I did that when I first moved here, Jamie Johnson, another friend of mine, great yes. singer. Jamie uh, did construction, was a contractor several years here uh, before he got signed with RCA. Um, You'll get a kick out of this. So I remember um, when I signed my publishing deal with Big Yellow Dog and Carla, um, I had not worked with my dad for, you know, in construction for a couple of weeks and because I was having to go to meetings and, you know, go see my attorney and, you know, it's just, you, you know, the music industry, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a 10 or 11, you know, so your day shot and the construction world is you gotta be there at seven o'clock, yeah. and, you know, like, so there was no point of me showing up to work. And so I was so broke and I had no money the day that I showed up to sign my publishing deal. And I was naive enough to think, okay, I'm going to sign this deal and they're going to hand me over a check right then. I didn't realize that oh, yeah. you know, it, it's, you know, takes a couple of weeks for the direct deposit, you know, to get in or, you know, get you in the system or, you know, then come pick up a check, you know? And so I remember signing and Carrie and Carla, you know, they didn't reach for that golden check. I thought that they were going to reach for. So I walked out of the door. I got back in my truck. I, I looked at my gas gauge and it's below E and I have no money in my account. I got some change in the, you know, cup holder. And I literally had to go back in hat in hand and say, guys, like, I know we just signed, but I don't even have enough money like to get home to get gas with. And Kerry reached out of his pocket and gave me $200 to hold me over until I got, you know, my check for, for my deal. That's how broke I was That's when I signed, man, you know? And so it was, um, yeah, you're right. You know, it, just the financial stability of what a you know publishing deal can do for you. You know, it's not a lot, but you know, it can definitely, you know, get you by. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great story, man. And no, I think it can make or break, you know, because it basically, whatever you're doing to make a living, a publishing deal, if you live a Spartan lifestyle, it's not like in the beginning, they're going to pay you a lot of money. But if you kind of get all that together, it lets you work all the time. It lets you write all the time where you're not having to go to the day job. And uh, it's, it's, it's invaluable, I think, for people to get started invaluable yeah i had a buddy of mine that uh that actually wrote um ain't worth the whiskey with me with cole that was my first number one Mm -hmm. he was a security guard officer at belmont and so he would work midnights so his it was extremely extremely tough for him to be able to stay focused and write because he was up all night having to work and we were trying to write you know at 11 you know so he was just you know, just fatigued. So, you know, um, and, and that, that goes for people that are bartenders or, you know, sure. working in construction, whatever, man, like you need a clear brain to just not 
to do to just have rest time so you can write because if yeah. you're not showing up you know create creatively you know to write man it's a it's it's a hindrance for sure yeah and it's hard enough to sort of figure out how to do this without being sleep revived too my yeah. heart goes out to everybody but in a way that's how it works and that's uh either 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 do or you don't you know what i mean so now, did you grow up in Florida? Is that right? I did, yeah. North Central Florida, a little town called Lake City. Um, mm-hmm. I say if you blink, you miss it. It's just a little small. You know, a lot of people think of Florida as the beaches and the right. retirement communities. My my version of Florida was very rural, you know, redneck capital of the world, basically. And so, uh, yeah, I grew up there and uh, went to high school and, and graduated. And I moved uh, when I was 21 to town, which was good. I, you know, I mentioned my uncle was in the business and all of my dad's side of the family had sort of migrated here through the years. And so I kind of traveled back and forth during the summers, you know, but I knew that, you know, moving to Nashville was, you know, the goal for sure. That's amazing. So you got here pretty quick. Um, yeah. And so your uncle plays steel. Now does he play, is he a road guy or studio or both or? Yeah. Studio. So he's played literally, he started out, he moved when he was, uh, like 13 and was just sort of a child prodigy guitar. I think Hank Williams Jr. wanted to take him out on the road when he was that young and my grandparents was like, absolutely not. You know, are you going out? <laughs> with Hank? So he, I think he went out, uh, he went out with Steve Warner and, uh, yeah, toured a lot with Steve and then probably uh, a better, that's a better call. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For, and, for then, a kid. Uh, and then he transitioned into the studio side of things and, you know, his play on every album from George Jones to Sam Hunt, you know, so what's his name? Know, Tell us his name. Scotty Sanders. So he's okay. Uh, All yeah, right. so Scotty's All been right. here through the years and, you know, Dobro is still a guitar player and, and probably one of the top, you know, four or five guys, you know, in, in, in that world, you know, here in Nashville. You know, yeah. I know Scotty. I don't know yeah. why I didn't put that together. Yep. Scotty Sanders. Yep. yep. Yes, sir. Yep. He's a man around here. Great. Great player. Yeah. yeah so it was, uh, when I moved, um, what I did was I just, uh, went to his sessions, you know, 10, two and six, you know, the demo sessions. And, um, so if I wasn't working and, you know, networking at night, I would just shadow him in these studios. And I honestly, I, I would make sure that he would print me out a chart, you know, for every song. I wanted to learn the terminology and you know what, you know, the, the national mm-hmm. number system is. And, and so, um, I, it sort of became, uh, I was the guy, the kid in the room of, well, if he's cool enough to be in the room, well, then maybe we should set up co-writes. I literally remember going um, to uh, Wade Kirby sessions back in the day, you know, and like sure. when they were recording I Saw God Today and, you know, all these big songs, Monty Criswell and just loving what they were doing. And after five or six times of them seeing me in the studio, they would ask, like, what are you doing here? You know, sort of thing. Well, I'm, you know, new in town. Scotty's, you know, nephew. And, you know, but it wasn't it was the perfect thing because Scotty was the perfect way to get in, but he wasn't, Hey, this is how, here's my nephew. And he's the greatest thing ever. It was, he showed me the door. I just had to walk through it, you know, and and he left it up to me because he had a reputation in town too, you know, that uh, he wasn't going to give me anything that I wasn't going to work for. And so um, it just gave me the ability to, uh, to, to do the work myself. That's fantastic. And that's good advice. You know, nobody, nobody can do it for you. You know, I think there's a big, not big, but there is some misconception out there that politics plays a role in all this. And, you know, politics is life, but uh, you still have to be able to do it. You know what I mean? And you can get lucky once, but that's really not going to help you. Um, You have to be able to do it. You just have to be able to do it. It doesn't matter who you know or anything else. If you can't, you you have to have the skill set. You know, eventually, Absolutely. very quickly, that will be found out and it won't work, you know. 
Yeah, I was actually talking with a with a girl last night, and she was just kind of you know a little discouraged with her career, and was just like you know I just don't know what to do, and you know I was I'm, I'm waiting on them you know to give me a call, and it's like that's your problem. You're waiting on someone else to do something. No one is ever going to work harder than you, and and so you know if you're if you're waiting on somebody else to do you a favor, good luck. You know you you have to create your own luck, and I think that's through hard work and determination. And you're right, there there comes a point where you know talent is going to propel you and get you, but you're, you know, you got to be on the field and you got to be in these situations to be able to progress. And I think when you get to a certain level of the business, then some of the politics really start to sort of play a little bit. And, but to get in the business, it's just, you better grind and you better, you know, make sure that you're putting in the work so you can have that opportunity. Yeah. And because all it takes is, for a new writer here in town, all it takes is one song. If you get yeah. one great song, you play it for any songwriter you can find. I don't care if they're at the grocery store. I mean, it just takes one song for people to go, wow, who is that? You know, well, I mean, you know, prime example of that is how I got my publishing deal with Carrie and Carla was um, I was uh, playing a writer's round at 10 roof one day on a Tuesday, two o'clock or something. And, um, I was playing a couple songs that I had just written and there was a guy by the name of Ryan Basel who was eating lunch at Tin Roof while, while I was playing in the back. And he said, every time I would get to a hook of a song, he would just turn and was like, wow, how did, that was an awesome hook. So he came up and met me after and he said, Hey man, you know, I'm, I work at ASCAP. I'd love for you to you know come by and talk with me. Well, he didn't know I was, I was signed up with ASCAP at the time. And so I went in and, told him, you know, who I was and what I was here to do. And I played him four or five songs. And he said, man, these, these songs are really good. I think I can get you a publishing deal. And so I said, well, I'm working on this little EP that, you know, I want to record. And, and once I have these songs, you know, I want to bring them back to you. And so I brought them back and he said, man, this is some good stuff. So he helped me get around to all these meetings. We, we met with 15, 20, and um, I just felt like I had two or three songs in there that were just very, very well-written songs. And uh, Carrie and Carla was the last company that I had met with. I, I had already had a couple um, deals on the, on the table, and they were the last people. I walked out of that office that day knowing that's who I wanted to sign with. And those five songs that I brought in there later became uh, my first number one, uh, one of my very first cuts, you know, and another one also. So you're right. It was, it was the songs that early on that got people's attention and got me a publishing deal. And then later those songs, you know, sort of morphed into songs that really benefit benefited my career. So you're right. It's a, it all starts with the song. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Well, now you made me curious. So you, you met with several publishers and I don't want to say anything ever. They're all great in yep. all different ways. What was it about uh, big yellow dog that made, you know, I'm curious about that. Man, I felt, uh, for one, Big Yellow Dog is an independent company, and they're yep. smaller. Uh, their roster was smaller, and I felt that I needed um, some really hands-on attention to help me grow as a writer. Um, sometimes, if you get in some of these major um, publishing companies, Sony and the, you know, the Universals of the world, their roster is so big that I think that as a new writer – it, you're in a situation where sometimes you're a sink or swim scenario 
And I knew that going to Big Yellow Dog, one of the advantages I was going to have is I was going to have one-on-one connection with my plugger and we could communicate and talk. You know, they weren't trying to pitch for 15 other songwriters that were pitching my stuff and maybe one or two others. And uh, so that was something I think uh, they they, um, saw me for the writer that I was trying to become, as in... I loved 90s country and I loved hooks and I love how they moved and they molded and twisted. You know, um, I just used this example the other day, Tim McGraw, don't take the girl, Mm -hmm. you know, that hook moved from don't take the girl fishing. Don't take the girl in a robbery. Don't take the girl out of the world, which it moved every single time, you know? And so like, I'm such a fan of that kind of stuff. And, and I think that that's what they was immediately drawn to in some of my songs. And so um, I think it was a few different things, but probably more than anything, knowing that I could go somewhere um, to a company that even though they were independent, they were killing it at the time. You know, Josh Kier's racking off all oh, these yeah. ones, you yeah. know, and no, so they're very relevant, but also still could uh, still have a little bit of a, a hands-on, you know, uh, attention for the first couple of years as sort of a baby, you know, writer in town. And they are, they are an independent, but they are, you know, they're a very powerful company. Um, they've launched some superstars, man. Yes. Megan and, Trainer, yeah. uh, Marin Morris, you know, uh, Logan Mines, who is a guy like mm-hmm. me that's, you know, sort of, you know, killing in the streaming world. So, man, like that, that company, when I was there, I was there for seven years. I mean, we were stacked, man. I, you could put, I think we had 12 writers. You could put us 12 against any 12 of any, you know, any other publishing company and we would be, you know, right there. I think they were, you know, winning publisher, you know, independent publishers of the years, you know, during those years. Oh yeah. And they're such great people too. They're so, I've always loved all of them. They're just fantastic. And they, you know what? They love music. They're music fans. They're not jaded. They're in my experience, they're just, they're people who love music, you know? And the cool thing too was another thing that I just thought about this was no one, did what I did there. Um, they right. had, they had the Daniel chat Tashins of the world. That was in a different lane than me. I was writing for the right down the middle, um, country music that had sort of a more of a country thing on it. And nobody did that, you know? And so that was another reason why I went there because I knew that I wasn't in competition, you know, with anyone with my skill set. you know, it was more of, you know, if they were going to try to pitch songs to, Luke Bryan and Dirk Bentley and, you know, Dustin Lynch, they were going to use my songs, you know, and not, you know, not someone else's. Right. Yeah, man, that's great. So let's talk about, let's talk about um, your writing process. Yeah. So I'd see, I was, I was reviewing your, your, the hit things you've had. Um, do you strive to write tempo? Is that something you are conscious of or is, t- let's talk about that. Lately, yes. Uh, over the last like month or two, I've literally made a conscious effort that I'm saying, look, I don't care if someone brings in the dance. I'm writing a tempo because everyone in this business screams, we need tempo, we need tempo. Yeah, and and some, I find that tempos are harder to write naturally. I think as writers, we're feelers, you know, like we, we, we're emotional people and a lot of, you know, music is emotional and, and especially in the world that we're in right now, everybody's down and depressed and heavy and it's what you kind of want to write about. I use writing as a, as an outlet for my feelings. And so um, I typically see that most people want to write mids and stuff, but in a rule of thumb, man, I have always just tried to show up to write the best song I could write that day, whether it was a tempo, whether it was, you know, a slow song, 
whatever's in the room that, that day is what I've, you know, and just sort of let them fall where they're going to fall and sort of where they end up. I, I just show up to try to write the best song I can write. And that's how I've, you know, had some of these songs fall where they fall. Cause they're going to end up where they end up anyways. You know, there's fate and involved in a lot of this stuff. Absolutely. And there is no, uh, any attempt I've ever seen in 25 years to guide a song or do any of that doesn't work. So, oh. and I think you're right. It's, um, if, uh, it's easier to write a song if you're down, you, you want to pour your feelings into it. Amy said it one time, but I think it's true. My wife, she said, if you're in a great mood, you want to go to the movies or go ride a bike. Yeah. You don't want to write a song. If yeah. you're in a, and it's, so it's, it's, you know, writing those tempo feel good songs are difficult because it's, um, it's, I don't know, for some reason, like you said, we it's not as natural. Maybe it is for some people, but, um, but it's a great idea to do because people, that is what everyone needs. Well, that, I'll tell you, is. like, what I notice is for tempo songs, we have sort of gotten into an era of music where uh, the music aspect of that is such an influential thing. And for me, it's hard to get really inspired to write a tempo if the, if the inspiration and the, and, the, and the vibe behind the song isn't right. And I think with a slow or a sad thing, you may lean on the lyric a little bit more, and that's where the inspiration is going to come from, in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know? And so um, I use the example, the, there was a song that uh, Rascal Flatts had, Yours If You Want It. You know? like, and I remember like, that just jumped off the speakers you know and it was just so fast and moving it's like man without that sort of vibe and that feel that's that song's probably not a hit you know because you know like it it was the it was the it was the inspiration and vibe behind it that sort of made that you know what it was absolutely and it's a uh it's a good skill set i'll tell you that it's a good it's a good skill set because especially in the radio game that's what radio wants that's what they need you know you know, I think we could debate that forever, but as a on a business level, that is what 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 uh, you need to be able to do that. Yeah, I've sort of always said, look, if radio tells you, you know, these are the unwritten rules, and this is the box that radio is in, it's kind of like baseball. They say, look, you got to go to first base, to go to second base, to go to third base, figure out how to play the game, or go play croquet, or go play football, or do a different game. But if you're writing for radio, there are rules that are unwritten rules that you have to sort of start putting parallels together and figuring out what is going to work for radio. And, uh, you know, if that's the career that you want and you want to have a successful career in that, in that light, that's the rules you have to play by. Or, you know, if you want to write songs that are passion, you know, and I mean, there's a lot of songs that, that are my favorites that will never see the light of day on radio or whatever, because it's just not what they want. Um, but then again, you know, um, you got to pay the bills sometimes also. Yeah. No, I think you're, you're 100% on the money. I mean, it just depends on what you want to do. Like you said, if you want to play that game, that's how that game is played. And you know what? There are rules and even so rules are made to be broken, but you must understand the rules before you start breaking them. Exactly. Yes. It's not a thing of where you just take a bulldozer to it. It's more of a subtle thing. Um, but, um, yeah, I've, I, I mean, we're, you're preaching to the choir, brother. I say it all the time. It's like, you know, it's not good or bad. It's, this is how the game is played. Do you want to play or not? 
if you want to be a football player, you're not going to say, hey, this whole touchdown thing, I'm not feeling it. I think we should, you know, that's not how it works. Yep, absolutely. And I've sort of always used uh, this example, and uh, I'm sure you have thought about this before, you know, also in in your career. And and I'm I'm a big fan of what you do, by the way. But I – I have always said there is no right or wrong answer ever when it comes to music because music is art. And so if you took it, if you took two paintings and put them next to each other and someone said, man, that painting is the best painting I've ever seen. That's, that's a Picasso you know, painting and someone that thing is worth millions of dollars. And the next person looked at it and said, I wouldn't give you a nickel for it. There's no right or wrong answer. It's just no. a, it's, it's, it's a perception of my favorite song is not your favorite song and which is not someone else's favorite song. It's just what is perceived to be right or wrong. You know, so like when it comes to music, I think that's the same thing. Just because a song is a hit song and has millions of, you know, uh, downloads or, you know, sold millions, it was perceived to be a hit, but that still doesn't really truly mean that it's a hit because someone could hear it and say, it doesn't do anything for me. So, and technically, you know, it's all, it's all opinionated, you know, and right. it's all opinion based. Uh, yeah. Another word. Yeah. Subjective. Correct. It's, yeah. It's it, yeah. And it's a great point. And there's never going to be an arbitrator who will come down and say, yes, that was good. Even if 20 years later, we all agree that something, there were people that, and it's just, and it all goes down to also what, what our motivation is, you know, I've always said, man, like the people that I respect the most in this industry are people that have careers that are relevant through different eras of music and decades. And you're an example of that, you know, Bob DePiro and, you know, um, Tim Nichols, you know, all these guys have were able to move and mold through the, the times of what was, certain eras and and popular, but you have also, like you said, you've got guys that are on the sidelines that are stuck in the mud of like, man, this ain't, this ain't country or this isn't, you know, da, 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 da. da. And instead of just figuring out how to move with it, you know, like they, they sit on the sidelines and, and, and it leaves them, you know, behind. And so that's what I want to be as a guy that can recognize that of, you know, the music industry has always evolved. It's always changed. The world evolves the way we consume music. I want to try to stay, you know, on top of it and move with it, you know, and, and treat it like a river in a stream, you know, and sometimes that river stream hits your lane and, you know, you pop off some big hits and sometimes it goes away from what you do naturally and then it comes back to you, you know. So I think that um, it's all about just staying where you are and doing what you do naturally, but, you know, moving with it in a sense. Yeah, man, you're, you're right on the money, Adam. I got to tell you, you are wise for your years. That's uh that's exactly how I think it is. And, uh, that, that will, that will do well for you. I mean, that will do well. Yeah. It never, it never, it's never good. You're always in this thing. You know what I mean? You're always in it. I don't care if you just got here yesterday or if you've been here 30 years, you're one song away, man. Sure. You are one song away from being right in the BMI song of the year, you know? So, there are, there's no barrier to entry for anyone. And, and the, only, the only thing we can really control is our own attitude. And if our own attitude is bad, then I don't know why we would be surprised at negative results. Sure, absolutely. 
And that's what we, what you're talking about, probably maybe sitting on the side or stuck in the mud. It's like, Hey man, this thing evolves. And you talked about Tim and Bob and thank you for including me. I don't know about that, but, but what you learn is I try to use my skills that work today, which sure. is maybe I'm not going to drive the train on what the beat's going to be. Maybe I'm not, don't have my ear to the ground like that. Right. But I do, I can tackle lyric issues. You have to kind of change. That's what you have to do. Yeah, man. It's like building a house, you know, it's like, you know, uh, certain houses, brick houses were popular, you know, popular in certain eras and, you know, maybe you were the best yep. bricklayer and Hey, you're, you're driving, you know, the ship, but right. you still know how to swing a hammer. So if, you know, if they're building, you know, vinyl houses, you know, you can still, you know, contribute. Yeah. So it's when people recognize that, man, I really respect, you know, people for that. Cause that's, that's the key, man, is just uh, staying humbled and, and knowing, you know, what you can bring to the table and, and, yeah. and what's your strong suits and what aren't. Thanks for listening, everybody. Pitch List will be right back. Before we get back to the show, please enjoy Adam's exclusive at-home performance of his new single, Drink, Drank, Drunk, written by Adam, Jacob Rice, Jordan Rager and Tyler Chambers. Well, I didn't even plan on coming in here. But I ain't the kind to turn down a high school beer. So I told my boys I ain't got long to stay. From the first top pop, it didn't work out that way. Because I had a drink that a drink when a drink that drink a drink a drink baby drunk. I only planned on one, but after that one, baby, want another one. Now I've lost count of how many rounds I've down, but it started from I had a drink that a drink when a drink that drink that drink I drink baby drunk. I better call my baby, let her know I'm gonna need a ride home And I better do it now before I get too far gone Cause the shot I shot just put the slur in my talk Said the rigor trade this good time ain't my fault Cause I had a drink that a drink when a drink that a drink a drink a drink baby drunk I only planned on one, but after that one, it made me want a double one. Now I've lost count of how many rounds I've down, but it started from. I had a drink that a drink, when a drink that drink, a drink, a drink, made me drunk. Drink, I drink, and that drink I drink made me drunk. 
Well, and you know, too, man, from writing, you've written some big hit songs, man. It's not really us. You show up in a room, there's a magic that gets created. The best songs that I've been a part of, uh, I definitely was there and I definitely contributed, but I also, I also felt another presence. Um, there's, some, there's something that happens in the magic of co-writing and just those magic days and where you just feel like you're riding a wave, you know, and everything works, you know what I mean? And you just, just want to be there for one of those days, man. Man, isn't you know? it? It's 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 beautiful. I mean, I, I people ask me all the time, Adam, how do you write songs? You know, like tell tell me. Sure, and you know, I you would probably agree with this. I can tell you, hey, you write a verse, and you you know, like you here's your rhyme scheme, and yada yada yada. But so much of what I do is such a God given thing that it's like, man, I you know, a lot of times when you're in that when you're in that you know mm-hmm. vibe, it's just something comes over you. Your job is going to be when it, when that stuff starts coming to me is for you to say, "Oh, that's really good. That's good. That's good." Cherry pick it and figure it out, you know, and piece it together. Because I don't know where it comes from. It's just you know, it's a it's just a God given yeah. thing. So I'm I'm thankful that you know that uh, I'm I'm a vessel for that, you know, in a sense. I agree, man. It is being a vessel, and I've heard some people say God, some people say the universe, some people say whoever the Holy sure. Spirit. Yeah. That's what I say, but yeah. and not in that probably comes off wrong. Holy Spirit in the sense of not that I am religious, but it's more like just a spirit that gets in. It's, it's an just, energy. Yeah, it's it's just an energy. A, yeah, and yeah. if you've ever been in a room, if you've, you know, when you get to get in a room and be part of a song, that's great. Now it might be a hit, might not, but that, that you truly feel it at the time. It's just, it's such a great experience. You know, I wish everyone could have that. It's better than even hearing it on the radio, you know? Man, I, I, I don't know if you, if you do this and this is this, to some people, this may sound cynical in a sense, but when I write a song that I truly love and, and whether I'm singing it or someone else, I can listen to that thing for a hundred times in a row and not get tired of it. And I listen to it over and over. And a lot of times I'm the one singing it. And so I'm driving down the road, listening to myself. And some people be like, what? Like, are you in love with yourself that much? It's like, no, I just connect with it, you know, so much, you know, and I, I've learned that I'm my biggest fan a lot of times when it comes to oh, yeah. you know, songwriter, you know, songs and, and, and certain things. And uh, matter of fact, I got one now that I just can't like get off, you know, of, and it's, I've probably played it 150 times since we wrote it, you know, but there's just such a feeling behind it when you get it. It's like, Oh, it just does something for you. You know? Yeah, I do it too. Uh, listen a hundred times. Also, when you listen a hundred times, man, you really live inside that song. You can, you know, you may come up with a little tweak here or there, you know, like that's, that's bothered me a couple of times when it's gone yeah. through that, that word, or maybe I should have sang that this way. Um, I've always thought of this songs are like drugs or we could say weed or whatever, yeah, legal sure. weed. Like if, yeah. if weed were legal, sure they are and people use them. So they put a song in their stereo and it comes out. And if they get that feeling they want, then they're happy. If they, if they use a song or take a song or take a hit of a song that doesn't do anything for them, they don't want, they're not going to buy that. You know what I mean? They're like, sure. they, they use, it's like an emotional experience that people use music to get an emotion. Yes. 100%. And, and if they get a powerful emotion, they will do it over and over until it goes away. Really? Or it may never go away. Yep. Yeah, man, music's gotten through, got me through a lot of, you know, things in life. I mean, uh, you know, songs, um, it's, I don't know, I don't know anything more powerful than music. I mean, like, 
I've I know of songs that when I hear them, I want to crawl in a hole and you know die. I mean, because that's what it makes me feel like because I'm so connected. And then I've got songs that you know when I hear it, I want to run through a brick wall. You know, and I think that mm-hmm. I I can. You know, and then I got right. songs that you know when I listen to, I got to make sure I don't get a speeding ticket because I'll drive too fast. Yeah. You know? So it's like it just influences. You know, it's it's crazy. It's it's amazing how powerful music actually is. It really is. Well, let me ask you before, before I let you go, just a couple nuts and bolts stuff because I'm curious. Um, do, you, um, do you write by yourself some or do you mostly co-write? Man, I honestly, I have not written a song by myself since the day I moved to Nashville. I love co-writing so much. Um, I even have, have taken songs that I will write the whole first verse, you know, chorus, maybe some of the second verse and take it into a co-write and say, Hey, help me fix this and tweak it. Uh, it's almost like I don't trust myself enough. Mm-hmm. I do as a, I feel like though, now that I've been in Nashville for 11 years and, and nine of those years, nine of those years as a published writer and it's sort of established now, I do see myself in the future trusting myself a little bit more and probably trying to write some songs by myself. But I love the process of co-writing so much that I, it, it, I'll never get away from that. That will always yeah. be co-writing is, is my thing for sure. Yeah. Well, it's, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to quit it because it, it works so good. You know, yes, it's great. even if you, it's just like you said, even if you wrote a song yourself and just played it for one of your writing buddies, just the fact of watching their face or sort of just being in the room when they heard it would help you, you know, I don't know yeah. something about it. There's a touch of a validation and I respect people's crafts because I, I know what I bring to the writing room and what my strong suits are, but I know what other people bring also. And, and, and sometimes if you look at it from a different angle of how they would perceive it, it's, it definitely helps, you know? So when you've got people that you really trust, sometimes that's when it, you know, it takes the song to another level. And so I, mm-hmm. I, I love that when, when people can bring new influences on it. That's great. Um, how um, do you write now? I know we're in the zoom weirdness now, but yeah. when things were normal, um, were you like a write five days a week guy or three days a week or well, well you've got some I, of your artist stuff now. So yeah, when I first started, it was man, write every day, you know, like let's just, you know, plow and let's practice, 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 practice. Then it got to be, um, you know, once I feel like I had gotten to a spot, it was more about quality than quantity. And I have found that what works best for me is I'm about a three day a weeker kind of guy. Like if I write too much, uh, I don't do the doubles, you know, where you write in the morning and write in the evening. I just feel too fatigued for my second write. Um, I think three days a week, sometimes even two days a week is, is great for me. Uh, every now and then I'll hit a four day, you know, a week sort of thing. Uh, it's kind of like going to the gym, you know, once you sort of get in shape, it's all about maintaining, you know, your fitness level and, and where you're at. You, you sort of went through all the hard work of getting there. And now it's about, you know, I feel like I've got my, my, my finger on the pulse of what a hit song is. Now I just need the right idea with the right angle and the right, you know, co-writers to help me put it together. Um, you know, so I kind of slack off a little bit and, uh, and more of, you know, quality versus quantity in a sense. Yeah. I think that's smart because really it's all about the idea. 
Yes. So you yeah. might be better off to spend a couple of days looking for ideas than actually just writing when you don't really, you know, it's good to write. I think you got it exactly right, man. It's good, especially in the beginning. It's good to write. It, it builds muscles. Yeah. But after a while, then you sort of start to realize it's the idea, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, for me, just, I found that like in my hobbies, I love the outdoors. I love being outside and, you know, hunting and fishing and hiking and all of that. I need those days to get away from the writing room so I can get ideas. Cause that's where I get a lot of my inspiration from mm -hmm. is living life and just doing my natural things that I enjoy. So you got to have those days to, you know, to decompress and fuel back up for those ideas. And so when you do get in a room, you've got, you know, material. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Well, we do, Hey, we do a thing. We've been doing it a couple, maybe a couple months now, and it's called the lightning round. Okay. Would you be willing to do it for us? Yeah, so let's do it. I'm going to give you, it's kind of an either or kind of okay. thing, or uh, it's just a quick, short answer about your songwriting. Okay. okay. Here we go. Adam Sanders on the lightning round. Here we go. Guitar or piano? Guitar. Track or instrument in the room? Track. Notepad or iPhone? iPhone. Bridge or no bridge? Ooh. Bridge. You, okay. Or you could say depends too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, words or music first? Words. Co-write or solo write? Co-write. Yeah. We, we figured that one. Um, morning or evening write? More, morning for sure. Okay. Favorite place to listen to your finished demo? In my truck. Your favorite writing snack? Ooh. Coffee and cliff bars. Right on. There we go. Lightning round complete. I, it's, we've had a good interview, man, because I felt like I could have, I knew four or five of your answers. Nice. Um, Love it. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit more before I let you go about it. We're, we're in such weird times now for artists. I, mm -hmm. It's so, um, I keep saying that on my interviews, but it's just sort of like the elephant in the room. I don't know how to not talk about the COVID thing and the fact that no one's really playing live and especially for a new artist or newer artist like yep. you um how's that all going and what are your plans what's what what do you have in the works for your artist career well man i have sort of said that it feels like the wild wild west now and everyone has a gun <laughs> um so i think that before streaming you know, really how we consume music was CDs and, and radio. And so it was almost like a vending machine and you had to pick from, you know, do I want a Snickers bar? Do I want this? You know, you were sort of limited on what you were able to, to consume. Now it's because of streaming and, and, you know, social media, the world is your oyster. You can find anything, you know? And yep. so, so that's where I think that the analogy of, Hey, it's a wild west. Everyone's got a gun. And, and so I love that because it allows, uh, true fan bases to form and, and you can find certain things and you're not just sort of given what you're given. Um, but the COVID thing, man, um, again, I think it goes back to like the songwriting thing. Um, if they change the rules of prior to COVID, well, you go out on a radio tour and then you go play 50, 60 shows a year and you write songs and, you know, yada, yada, yada. That's how you, you know, build a following. Well, now mm -hmm. it's okay. Well, now you don't have shows. Now you don't have radio shows. Like, how do you survive and how do you stay relevant? You know, so to me, it's, 
sink or swim and figure it out, you know. And for me, um, as an artist, I uh, songwriting directly influenced so much of my stuff. And right when I started putting out music, I had a lot of label meetings. Um, I was passed on a lot of labels. I almost signed with Sony Records. Um, and they decided to, to go with a guy by the name of Kane Brown, which we all know, you know, how massive his career is now. But through chance, and this was not my, my original plan, obviously, but because I had sort of went through the growing pains of figuring out who I was and where I was at, I've now built an organic following of almost 100 million total streams to where now I'm in a spot because of where I've built my career independently. And where technology is, I'm turning down record deals now because the only thing that a label can possibly do for me at this point is get me on radio. And you and I both know how difficult that even is, even if you have a label behind you. And so I've sort of looked at the approach of, man, what does the next 15 years look like? And, and I wonder if radio is going to be as relevant, you know, as it is now. And so I, um, you know, I feel like that, um, the streaming world is where it's at and, and sort of have such a leg up on that, you know, as a, as a young independent guy, that's sort of where my best, you know, uh, fight is to, is to fight is in that world. And so, um, man, we, we are continuing to put out music. I'm getting ready to, uh, to release my first album, but it may not be in, in the sense of what a true traditional album may look like. Um, the only thing I've done so far as an artist is really singles and we did an EP a couple, you know, years ago. And, and, uh, so we've got something in the works there, but yeah, when we can get back to touring, we're going to be on the road. Um, I was very excited before the COVID thing happened, we were going to headline my first, uh, tour this fall. And that was all, you know, taken off the, uh, off the table because of COVID, but man, it just, it's moving every day. You know, what is working now? probably will not work in the next year or two years. I think you just got to do your best to stay on top of things and figure out how to get your music out to fans for them to consume it. And I promise you, if it's good enough, people will react and people will respond to it um, if you can get it to them. So now it's all about how do you get it to them. And before, I think you only had two or three avenues how to get music to them. But now you've got several you know, ways. I think that's great, man. I got I to gotta go back. I, I made notes while you're talking. Okay. You should do a seminar. You're, <laughs> okay. you're nailing it. You're flipping <laughs> nailing it. Thank Number you. one, you talked about your streams, which is, that's a lot of streams, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That's crazy. That's great. So streams are fans, right? Yes. Yep. So when you have streams, and I don't care if you have 100 or you got 100 million, okay? Mm -hmm. These are people who like what you do, typically, especially when they're right. coming back. So now it's you and them. It's you right. and them. You, the, you're doing something these people like. You got to go talk to them. You got you to go get them, like invite them to a, to a dinner party or what, not really. I mean, yeah. metaphorically. Yep. Figure out who they are, what they like about what you're doing, and get busy and, and make that for them. I mean, you've, like you said, modern technology has removed so many barriers that used to be there that it, it's almost, it's miraculous. And the other thing about the record deal, you know, I've heard it said, I heard a lawyer one time, he said, that's not a record deal. That's them sticking their hands in your pocket. Yes, absolutely. And, and yeah. it's like, and the first time I heard that, I was like, wow, damn, I never thought of it that way because it's like, they're not, that's not all record deals. There's very good partnerships out there. Right. And typically the very successful ones are good or they wouldn't work. 
but um but we are moving into an area where we have to wonder about radio because curating music for us when we can hit a button and instantly get anything ever done is going to get tougher, you know? And then, you know, it's, it's go ahead. So funny. Fans have, for me, become my A&R team. Right. Because if I like a certain song that, you know, like we talk about when we write it and I'm like, man, I just love this. I will now take it and I will tease it on my social media. And if I get a huge reaction out of that, if I feel like it fits my brand, my structure, then that's what I, you know, I give them that, you know, so I have learned to trust what my fans are reacting to and give that because they're the ones that's going to listen to it, you know? And so right. um, it's, it's just as simple as, Hey, like, what are these five songs you guys want, you know, sort of thing. And I put it out and then they come back and they stream it because that's what they, what they want. So I, I've sort of trusted them um, over the last couple of years and it seems to be really working. Are, are you typically in step with what they think or do they surprise you sometimes? Sometimes they surprise me. Um, I think I have found, I think you're always evolving as an artist, but early on for me, I had a hard time distinguishing who I was as a writer and as an artist. Um, I knew how to write hit songs for, you know, Luke, but I was finding that I was trying to pull songs that may work for them and try to make it me. And I have found now what makes me, me and tightening down on that brand a little bit more and figuring out what my strong suits are as an artist, you know, also Mm -hmm. and how I just naturally sing and so now I've kind of gotten it tightened down a little bit more to where I know what, why fans like what I do, if that makes sense. And sure. so, so now as I give them these songs, I'm finding trends and patterns of why they like that song because it's consistent with what, what I'm the best at and, you know, in their mm-hmm. eyes, you know, in a sense. And so sometimes it surprises me, um, but I've kind of gotten now to where um, I kind of, you know, I kind of have concentrated it down, you know, so tight to where I know that it's going to hit what they're, what they're naturally liking. Yeah, man, that's great. I mean, that's great. It's just, uh, fantastic. Well, man, I think we have covered it. Um, we could, I could talk to you for a long time, man. I hey, think, me, uh, me too, man. I, I, I think you're, stuff. I think you're, um, really smart about this. I, um, I hope all the young artists and, writers that are getting started listen to you because you've really got a lot of stuff figured out it's really good man i I don't know if anybody ever has this game figured out you know what works for me may not work for someone else you know i I just know that um you know i've always taken this as a student of the game and i really want to try to learn what has worked for other people and make a try to make a calculated decision and sometimes you, you stack the deck and the cards just didn't fall your way. Well, absolutely. And what I meant to say was, yes, I agree with you. You never know. And there's a million ways to do things. There really are. But what I, what I, what I'm, the compliment I'm trying to give is your positive attitude. Thank you. You're, yeah. you're, you're looking at what's in front of you uh, without any judgment or actually just like, okay, how do I make this work? And I think it's just really valuable. It's valuable. Well, and I yeah. think it's really smart, smart. Well, thank you. I hope, uh, man, it's, it's just been amazing. Uh, I always say, you know, to, to anybody that's trying to get into the music industry or, you know, the writing industry, I tell people all the time, man, show up every single day 
and know without a doubt this is what you want to do, and you can create your own look if you're good enough to stay on the field, you know, but you've got to stay in it. And a lot of times, for me, my songwriting career happened so early. Like, you know, I was six months into my first deal, two years in town, and I got my first cut with Luke Bryan on the Crash My Party album, which is one of his biggest albums. Boom, that happened fast. But my artist career, I've been in town 11 years, and I'm mm-hmm. just now getting – Right to a spot to where like I'm starting to make some real headway. You know, it wasn't, I just showed up and someone, you know, gave me the keys of the car and said, Hey, you know, I've had to grind through a lot of things and figure out, you know, when I moved to town, I could write a song, but I was 121 pounds. I had long hair. I looked like the country version of Justin Bieber and I had no image. And a lot of that stuff goes into when you are trying to be an artist what that is, you know, a lot of the guys that have stayed, stayed and stuck around are brands. They're staples. You know, when sure. you, you think of Kenny Chesney, you know who Kenny Chesney is and what he stands for. And, oh, yeah. you, know, you know, Jason Aldean or whoever it is. And so I've taken a lot of time to kind of focus that shift on that. And and sometimes it just, it takes time to, to mature and, and progress, you know? So um, I have always said, man, stay focused. And one day you look up and you keep hammering that, that yeah. wall and you're going to break through. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, you, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm just going to say, amen. You're absolutely 100% correct. Well, man, I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Adam Sanders, I'm really, it's really great to meet you, man. I've, I've really enjoyed your take. I think you're going to be, uh, you're going to be here for a long time. You're you're going to win some big awards and, uh, I think you're fantastic, man. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me. And again, big fan of what you do. And man, I, I, I could do this all day. So have me back anytime. <laughs> I will. We will do that. We'll, we'll check in with you probably in a, probably maybe 18 months. Cause I've, I have a feeling you're just going to rack them up, man. You're going to rock you. it. I, I'm going to, I, if, if you could bet on riders, I'd be betting some money on you. I'd be, I'd buy, I would buy some Adam Sanders stuff. Hey, well, let's, let's know. get in a room together, man. Let's, let's have, some time. I'm in anytime. Yeah. So thanks for being on Pitch List, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Pitch List. To hear songs written and or recorded by today's guest, check out this week's playlist by finding us on Spotify at Pitch List Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or your preferred listening platform. And if you want, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review. To watch the song performances from this episode, visit pitchlistpodcast.com or follow our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.